Blog Talk Radio. Won't you stand in your greatness? Good morning and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach April podcast. I'm Katherine Stafford here in Washington State where I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a Nurtured Heart Approach advanced trainer, counselor, and author. Once again, I'm excited to be joining my co-host Howard Glasser in Tucson, Arizona. Howard is the creator of the Nurtured Heart Approach and he is chairman of the Children's Success Foundation. Good morning, Howie. Hi, Katherine. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Happy spring. <laughs> thank you. It feels like spring here. Just about yeah, we summer. Have- Sunshine in Seattle, so it's definitely a spring day. Ooh. Indeed. I, hey, I was thinking about you this morning, and I was thinking about the last time that we chatted. You were heading off to Australia for the first CTI. Oh, that was fantastic. It, uh, we had a, a certification intensive there, and I got to meet 30 new trainers who are now fully engaged in taking this work out to their organizations, just so many wonderful and empowered people. And now it's not just Bart Trainer himself, mm-hmm. you know, on a mission. It's Bart and a little people were referring to it as Bart's Army. So it's, <laughs> I love it's, that. It, it's perfect. And um, and we got to talk about nurtured heart and coaching because that's what he's doing mm-hmm. a fair amount of. And we got to talk about nurtured heart and prof- you know professional athletes and fitness, and um, he, he's about to launch some stuff along those lines. And, uh, you know, it fits in perfectly with the topic today. Mm-hmm. It fits in perfectly with Nurtured Heart Approach and play. And, and so I'm so excited about our guest today. Well, and, and I was thinking about that and the fact that I think, I think this is our sixth podcast and every topic is so different one from the other. And, you know, I, I'm going to do this again because I have to. And, you know, having been to a couple of CTIs now and, and having that week-long immersion, one of the things we always talk about is what do you do when you have the opportunity, when you meet someone and you have a minute, you have two minutes to kind of tell them what this is about. And that has changed so much. I know that even just our podcast to podcast, and I'm curious kind of over the course of your travels, if you had the opportunity to kind of give that one minute. Well, you know, I, I can. You, you know, I just came back from another week away uh, uh, touring Northern California to give um, evening presentations and to uh, try and um, create a win-win for all the trainers there mm-hmm. and create some excitement for the training we have coming up there. And I found myself sharing something that came out of uh, discussion with Bart in Australia, which was, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a side to Nurtured Heart Approach that's, uh, that's um, it sounds so nicey-nicey and nurturing, but it's actually mm-hmm. a warrior approach. It's mm-hmm. actually an approach that um, has great sensitivity to the human being and in the process um, appreciatively um, brings forth to a child or another person or to oneself um, uh, in a in a in a forceful way, as forceful mm-hmm. as need be. You know, here's here's what I see. Gosh darn it! Here's what mm-hmm. I see in you that I I love. Here's what I see in you that I'm grateful for. Here's what I see in you that I appreciate. And we found by way of of uh, going strong in that realm um, with a basis of not giving energy to the negative any longer 
it creates a swell of awakening to a child's greatness, an adult's greatness, oneself's, you know, the greatness in ourselves. And so that's that's a different angle than I've ever given on the Nurtured Heart Approach, but it's my one-minute pitch. I love that, and I accuse you of the fearlessness because I know it's hard to kind of to continue to evolve in how you think and how you define and how you express this. And that, that has to be one of the best that I've heard in a long time. So thank you well, for thanks. sharing that. You know, and I realize it's always been there and it's been misunderstood, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, and, and it's, it's really a fierce approach. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm curious if that's going to show up and play at some point in, in, you know, uh, you know, I think, uh, I know these two guests and I know that, you know, I can imagine them stopping in the middle of something and saying, pause, everybody. I, you know, I've seen Rhett do this. I've seen, I've seen videotapes where he says, pause. I need to tell you about your greatness. Right. And so, so maybe that's a great lead-in to uh, your, your introducing our guests. Yes, I'm excited to introduce them. First, I want to really thank any listeners who are joining us live or anybody who will listen later into the archive broadcast. We appreciate your time. We hope that you're inspired by our guests and our topics. And today, I love this topic of play. Um, the idea of using play to inspire greatness is really exciting to me. And so I do want to introduce Rhett Etherton, who is currently a program coordinator for PlayWorks, which is a nonprofit bringing safe, inclusive, and fun play to children. Prior to this, Rhett taught ESL students in the third through eighth grade for six years. And I'm going to add masterfully taught, because anyone who's experienced watching Rhett in the classroom knows he's a brilliant educator. Um, he's been a certified advanced trainer with the Nurtured Heart Approach since 2007. He holds a BA in multilingual, multicultural elementary education, and after experiencing how the Nurture Heart tools have transformed his students' lives as well as his own, Rhett is now on a mission to bring these tools to parents and educators around the country. Good morning, Rhett. Hi, good morning. I'm so excited to be here, friends. We are very honored to have you. Our other amazing guest today is Howard Moody, and Howard Moody has been facilitating play shops for well over 25 years. He specializes in designing team building, stress reduction, and wellness presentations. Howard has been a faculty member at the Omega Institute for Holistic Studies for many years, and he is the co-founder of the Adventure Game Theater, which is an extraordinary interactive learning process featured on both PBS and NPR. Play in its many forms is Howard's passion, and his mission is to share the value of play um, with everyone. Howard is presently working on a book with Howard Glasser, which I'm excited to hear about too, about how within play the principles of Nurtured Heart Approach can be enhanced and embodied. Good morning and welcome, Howard. Good morning. Glad to be here. How are you guys both this morning? Doing pretty well. I'm recovering from being a little bit sick a few days ago, but I've just arrived at Omega to work there for the six and a half months it's open, so I'm always excited to go back there since it's such a dynamic place where so many high levels of learning happen. So it's it's good, and it's great to be on this call with Howard, and I just have been emailing Red a couple times in the last couple months because he's taken some of the my favorite games and adding those to his great toolbox of uh, play that he has available with Playworks, so I'm really excited to be here with you all. Let's just start there. I'm really excited to hear how you're both combining Nurtured Heart with play. I love this topic. And so, Rhett, maybe you could start by kind of just telling about your greatness with play. How are you taking your foundation and Nurtured Heart approach and taking it into this organization that promotes positive play? Well, yeah. So I was a teacher for six years, and I was blessed to have found the Nurtured Heart approach while I was teaching because if almost everyone knows a teacher and they know that teaching can be – just a really big challenge, and you have to really be armed with tools that are going to help you be successful. So 
I was really using the approach, really reflecting greatness, impacting my kids' lives um, by really proving to them about their greatness. And I was sort of ready to move on. Um, and uh, I had Playworks come to my school. And um, I saw how much fun that was. And I saw my coach at the school, um, how he was impacting my kids with uh, this idea of play. And so I decided to be sort of step out of the classroom and step onto the playground. And so now I'm at a school full-time. I'm Coach Rhett at the school. I'm, I love that I'm Coach Rhett at the, at the school. Um, and we, with Playworks, we come in and we make sure that kids, all kids have access to safe, fun, and inclusive play. And so I'm out there at recess uh, playing with the kids. Um, uh, the kids get breaks from their classrooms to come out and play games with me for about 45 minutes with their teacher once every two weeks. And then we have a mentorship program and some after-school programs, too. Um, but... The nurtured heart approach is so perfect for play. Um, I use all three stands. Um, I'm not out there just saying, you know, great job and giving high fives. I'm giving them meaningful reflections of their greatness that they show during play. Um, even on their playground, I have to use that stand three of clarity, of having clear rules. Um, so I'm using that on a daily basis. And then, you know, there's still a lot of negativity on the playground, and so... Um, like Howard was saying, I, I'm very fierce and not energizing that negativity. And the nurtured heart approach, along with my own greatness, has uh, made me really successful as Coach Rhett. Love uh, I, I'd love to comment on that, Rhett. Um, I, I love that you mentioned um, the fierceness of not giving energy to negativity. It, that is, I, I, I'm, I'm in the process of creating a document of where um, this fierceness, this drive, um, warrior drive shows up in the approach, and it absolutely is there. And, I, and as you said that, I can imagine, you know, it's a choice you make. I'm not going to do that. And I am going to do this, you know, much more exquisite version of positive. And the the the, the fierceness of... of Saying, you know, saying reset, you know, the the, the fierceness of delivering stand three mm-hmm. is I could see how relevant that is in play. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and on the playground, uh, especially with kids, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday uh, we were playing a game with some of my junior coaches who are uh, 15 fifth graders that I teach and help develop their leadership. And then they come out during recess, and they help lead the games and uh, be positive with the kids. But anyways, one of my junior coaches who is a very, he's an amazing leader, has so much greatness, and he chooses to show that greatness so much. But he got out of a game, and he, he decided to try out what some of the other kids do when they get very frustrated. So he was just trying that out of being frustrated and mad and breaking the rules after he got out. And... I was so clear on, like, I'm not giving that any energy because I knew the truth of that moment was that he was acting out because Mm -hmm. he wanted to see if he could get that attention that some of the other kids get. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like I'm imagining this window up. So when he was, you know, acting out in his negativity, I just rolled up my window and I gave that no energy. 
and I gave him a consequence because he kept on breaking the rules. But it was so energyless, and you know, I really tried to give that consequence from a place of love, not from a place of like I'm cutting you off. Mm-hmm. But it's very clear he didn't get any energy from me. I didn't respond. I was just like, okay, go sit, stand over there. And then I eventually had to tell him to go stand out of the classroom. And then he came back and he had reset. And then he got right back into the game. So it's it, there is a lot of clarity when uh, it comes to not energizing that negativity. Mm-hmm. I love your phrase, trying it out, because isn't that what kids do? They try out a behavior to see if it serves a useful purpose. And if it doesn't, if they don't get the energy, if they don't get the reaction, there's no purpose to it, and it fizzles back away through that process of reset. I love that. Howard, are you doing, are you doing work with, with classrooms like this as well with your play-based work? Well, most of my work, I, um, I used to be a, a PE teacher at a private school for a number of years, and actually mm-hmm. um, when I had recently left that job and it was just a couple of years later that I ran into Howard Glasser at Omega, and he came to my play shops for about three years in a row, and then when he told me what he was doing, I got fascinated. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about trying to sort of blend play and the nurtured heart. He think they're, they're a wonderful marriage. And so I've been doing it more in my play shops with adults. I also do, I do some um, uh, small play groups for the children's program at Omega. So I'm, you know, constantly using that. And I think play lends itself to really emphasizing the stands. And Rhett said it so beautifully. You know, I think mm-hmm. when we were growing up as kids, there was a concept of do-over. Like if something happens, oh, we made a mistake, do-over. Which mm-hmm. to me is the same reset like reset let's start again let's start right back from the beginning and kids are so naturally do that in play they want to reset they want to get back to connection to in the flow of the game into play they don't want to not play they want mm-hmm. to be in play and it's a great opportunity to be really clear with boundaries and to do resets mm-hmm. and, and i that's one of my strengths i've been leading play for 30 years with all kinds of ages and routines etc and i think Learning when I came upon Howard's work and realized the the, the stand of you know clarity and really setting boundaries is like oh I know how to do that I've been doing that within play I can get groups of people to play get 90 teenagers to do all games together because I'm really clear with instructions I'm really clear with boundaries and I'm really clear with rules and I'm really clear about stopping a game and go whoop we got to clarify the rules aren't being followed here are the rules mm-hmm. and get people back into play and I think that's the beauty of what. You know, Howard and I have been talking about with this book and other collaborators that are testing out these things, and Red is, is doing that also. And, um, and it's, it just really helps. I think play is that the kids are so fully embodied and so fully engaged. They want to be in connection, and they want to be playing. So mm-hmm. be real clear with boundaries. Be real clear yeah, with resets. Can I interject yeah. something before please, you go on? Is, yeah. You said you used the word connection. Red used the word attention. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I love... I, I I think connection. When you said connection the first time in in what you've started describing, um, I got this wave of realizing, you know, it's so true as we all know that everybody wants to feel connected, and and whether we're con- whatever we're connecting to through other human beings, you know, some people feel connected in isolation through activities, but. Play has this marvelous ability of driving up the force field of connection. When you're in a game, it's exquisite connection. You're connecting with a collaborative of other people, which is unusual these days. We do so many things in isolation. So being out of the flow of that connection is painful. Some kids, like you said, Catherine and Red, Mm -hmm. experiment with ways, with behaviors to get connected and they see it doesn't work, 
um, and they get reset, and then they come in and go, and you know, this it plays this beautiful um, trans. It, it transports us into the magic of being able to say, now you're connected. Here's here's what's great about how you're connecting now. You're being collaborative. You're being thoughtful. You're being kind to the other people, etc. Um, so I thank you for bringing that word up, connection. Mm-hmm. It's, and well, and, it's by, go ahead. It's one by far, constantly, as I've developed in this work and the more and more I've done it, I constantly come back to that word, connection. I think more than anything else, we want to be seen and heard. We want to feel like we belong and feel connected. And I think overall that adults and educators and people have get so busy, they forget the simplicity and beauty of play, whatever age appropriateness. If you're playing with a, five, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, get down on the ground and just follow them, follow their mm-hmm. lead, be with them and play. And you know, I think when parents take the time to do that, they get connection, and then the, the kids get the feeling of connection. And, you know, play is this one simple description of play is it's just ch- the ch- child's innate drive to connect with, explore, and discover the world around them. So, and that's, that's learning. That's, that's the pr- primary heart of education. That really should be the focus. So we should be as constantly aware of how do we make it play and engaging and connecting and safe. You know, I know Rhett's work, Playworks, developed from all the new games, cooperative play, and project adventure work that existed out there. And um, the woman who started that understood that and put together this whole way of helping schools support recess. Hallelujah that someone did that. And mm-hmm. um, we need more play, not less. I could talk about that more in a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I would like you to because both Howard and Rat, I think what you guys are doing from where I stand with my work, you guys have the missing piece. And so when you talk about real connection and when you talk about kids not wanting not to play, in my mm-hmm. world with the work that I, that I do with the kids who are peripheral on the playground, we're not talking mm-hmm. about inclusion until we're talking about real inclusion, until we're talking about how do you get those kids who are peripheral on the playground to be included and not just teaching those kids, quote, how to play, but how do you teach that whole culture of the playground ground to support everybody in a really positive way. So I'm curious if you guys could both talk a little bit about that idea of real inclusion, which I heard you both mention. Well, yeah, inclusion is one of the Playworks core values. And so when I have classes come out with their teacher for class game time, we're talking about that. We're, um, you know, talking about the importance of it and how to do that. Um, And, you know, one way is, you know, I'm training my junior coaches to be the leaders of that. So those fifth graders, when they're out there working at recess, I've trained them to look for those kids who are on the outside who, you know, there's some kids, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people don't know this if you, if you haven't been on a playground recently, but there's some kids who come out to play every day and they don't play. They sit yep. on the bench and they put their head down for their whole recess time. Yep. And that's why I think that this approach is so important for the playground because, there is, for example, there is this kid uh, in third grade, and he, he was that kid. He came to the school, and he never, ever played. And so I really had to show my greatness of creativity of how do I get him up. So my first step was, you know, one day I just asked him, hey, will you go get this ball for me over there on the field and bring it back to me? And so he actually got up, and he brought it back to me. And then that's when I hit him with his greatness. So then I energize him for being helpful, for um, being selfless to go and get that ball for me. And I just kept repeating that every day. I had him do a job for me, and it was essential then that I connected with him, that I built him up, because 
there's a reason he didn't want to play, and I believe that reason was he wasn't connected to his greatness. And, you know, this approach, because a lot of times the positive language during play, it sort of starts and ends with great game or good job or high five. But I love this approach because it gives us tools to go deeper than that. So now when this kid, when I eventually got him to play Foursquare with me, then I was able to specifically tell him, I love your courage in trying this new game. It must be so scary to try this game that you've never played, but look, you're doing it, you're being courageous. And that feels, and we, you know, we've talked about this, that feels so much more juicy and good to the kid than just high-five, great game. Mm. So I've been really experimenting with that uh, experimenting with that language of success that I've learned through this approach. And I feel that's one way we get kids included is we have to build up their self-worth. And how do we do that? We do that by reflecting their greatness while they're mm. playing. Mm. You're, connecting, you're connecting that child to their greatness as, as a... Um I, I could feel, you know, having not been anywhere near any kind of comment like that as a kid, mm. I, you know, I just feel the power of that. I, mm. I love that story. Congratulations on the beauty of what you're doing. I have a dear friend um, that I met at the CTI training a year ago, and she's collaborating this process of, of writing this book in terms of trying out some of the activities. And she's used it very successfully with a family. I think they have five children. It's a blended family, and she's gone in and doing work with them on a regular basis. And she's gone in the last few times, and she plays these various games and activities with them. And they've had such incredible success with the parents and everyone energizing each other and telling them about their greatness, how they showed mm -hmm. up in those games. And she told me the story about, you know, she, after a while she set the kids in the other room to finish up with the parents, and the kids went in the other room, practiced some of these activities, one called Human Statue, Human Machine, came back and showed it off to, the fa to everyone, and then, of course, they energized them again. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's such an engaging way for families and um, adults to realize that if you can enter into the play and give them some really supportive games that work exceedingly well um, with many different age groups, that um, then they can really see the, see their greatness and just reflect it back to them. And I want to yeah. um, yeah, can, can I just before can, can you hold that thought for one second? It's, it, it creates these it, this wonderful space to <coughs> just like somebody would think nothing of taking a picture of kids playing, you know, those photo, photo moments where you can, like, capture real, it's not arbitrary, it's actual, it's actual immersion into life. Mm -hmm. And so you then have this beautiful context to say, here's what you just did. You may not realize it, but you could, you know, there was a close call, you could have argued, but you didn't. That shows me, you know, your, <coughs> excuse me, um, here's the greatness that shows me. And then you could get explicit because it has that beautiful context. So I hope you bookmarked that, Howie. Can you go on? Well, I just wanted to uh, energize Red and tell him that what he's doing 
um, I believe very strongly in intergenerational learning. I think one of the mistakes we've made in modern education is such separation of, of ages. Mm-hmm. And obviously to have those older kids to go in and model and share with the kids, like, you know, like a, you know, a, a 10-year-old can go play catch with a 5-year-old where two 5-year-olds can't play catch that successfully. The 10-year-old can match his ability and challenge him and do it very um, really supportively and cooperatively, and then both kids can then get energized for how they're showing up. So mm-hmm. I'm a great believer in intergenerational um, play activities for people. Mm. And Howie, uh, Howie, I just want to, or Howard, I just want to interject <laughs> here. Um, I want to appreciate uh, your reflection of my success with training my <laughs> junior coaches. And I've never really talked to you that much. I don't really <laughs> know a lot about your work, but you you're so knowledgeable it's just i feel like you could talk i you know you could run this podcast by yourself just talking about all your knowledge of play and so i want to recognize like all that hard work you've put into all your career to get to this point where it's so easy for you to share all your knowledge Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I got sort of chills just hearing that. I did turn 60 this year, so I've been I've been literally studying, facilitating play in different ways for over 30 years. So it's been sort of my life's work, and uh, you know, I get kind of you know, it's just like Howie gets just so passionate about the nurtured heart piece, and it's just such a wonderful collaboration because I have a strong um, love of play. And the true masters are the young children anyway. So if we just really mm-hmm. listen and learn from the kids and be in that play. And, you know, what kids are really looking for is the place to feel safe. And I think that's a constant thing, like what you did with that kid, is you finally made it to him feel safe to play mm-hmm. with you. And for some reason mm-hmm. he's not feeling probably safe and connected, and we have to help all of those kids. Every single kid needs to feel safe and connected in a way that, that works for them. Mm. There's, there was my soapbox. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, uh, Brett. I appreciate I, it. I, I have a new perspective, a, a growing perspective on on the beauty of this, and I absolutely know that you guys uh, will in the future have have a, a world of opportunity to teach Nurtured Heart Play around the country, and you're both just cutting your teeth on what's possible and honing your skills and and uh you know i know you know um, i am indeed helping this nurtured heart play book come out and i'm thrilled about that and i think the timing is such that there there are whole school districts now um you know all over the country and abroad that are that are um seeing the beauty of of um Awakening kids to who they really are as wonderful human beings, and um, I, I, it's going to be very, very next step ish for all everybody involved to see. Okay, how can we enhance this further? So I, I, I I'm thrilled that you guys are are excited. What anything in particular um, besides what's been mentioned? It, uh, feel really exciting and cutting edge for either of you? Hmm. Well, I think what's what I think is cutting edge and it's still my my growing edge is really learning um using the nurtured heart sort of recognitions and really learning how to energize people and learning to articulate a language of greatness and really seeing the values. Um I you know, when I when I came upon your work, Howie 
I had studied a lot of the fields around gratitude and appreciation. It was already a, a real strong belief of mine. But now it gives even a clearer articulation to really be reflecting um, back to people's greatness. I, I, I know we have some other people that do a whole greatness kids program and to really reflect back to kids. And it's, and it's, it's really getting clear about not this false sense of self-esteem and praise. It's a really clear articulation of really reflecting back to kids, to anyone, what, how they're showing up in their, in their beauty and their, mm. their great, you say. And, and, you know, I inherently believe that people are so wonderful and good. And I think that human species is primarily cooperative, but I think what makes us so unique. But we don't often remember to reflect and recognize that for people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the you know, classroom really isn't necessarily a place of collaboration uh, 24-7, you know, it's, it, you know it, but the playground can be. The um, play play groups can be, uh, and it, it, you use the word showing up. It, you know, you could reflect how somebody's showing up. I love that. I just, mm-hmm. I just thank you for the the beauty of that image. Mm-hmm. Were you going to really? Hope, were you going to add to that, Mred? Well, yeah. I just, I, and I really hope that you know the other listeners who might not, um, you know, be in a play position, might not be a PE teacher or a coach. I think that play is valuable for parents. Um, I think play is valuable for teachers. Um, I found that, you know, the Nurtured Heart approach is all about building real connected relationships. And those of us who really have an intention to build those relationships are always looking for ways to deepen the relationship. And through from playing on the playground every day with my kindergartners through eighth grade, I found that play is another way to build a relationship that's so much different from talking to a kid or from teaching them or from you know the other ways that we try to build a relationship. It really can build deep relationships. And so that's what, why um, when I bring the class out, um, the expectation at my school is that the teacher plays too. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, I'm very clear with that at the beginning of the year with my teachers that mm-hmm. class game time isn't another time to do lesson plans or talk on your cell phone that mm-hmm. I, want, I expect you to play too. Because play, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm giving the teachers a gift of like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm creating this safe atmosphere where the kids are in their heart, they're in their bodies, they're having fun, they're working together, and now let's invite this teacher in and let's build relationship. Let's uh, deepen your relationship with your kids through this play. And so, you know, I really encourage the parents and the the, um, the teachers to make time for some sort of play um, because that's that's the way you're going to build a deeper relationship too. And that's that's when you can really connect with the kids when things are going right. It you know it's an interesting. I don't know who's on the podcast now or who will be listening to it. And play is such a large subject. I mean, I spent a long time researching and studying. And, and so each person will have a different sort of understanding of this. And, you know, for any parent out there under Kids with Seven, I highly recommend the book Playful Parenting by Lawrence Cohen. I'm, I'm also present reading a book called Free to Learn by Peter Gray and all about how we were one of the hunter-gatherers, how kids played all day long. 
and I constantly come from this view that I think there needs to be more play, not less. Mm-hmm. And play means that state of the flow state where kids are fully engaged, and it will vary. And, you know, for kindergartners and first and second graders, it's primarily movement-based play, very imaginative, very sort of open and flowing. And third and fourth graders, kids start wanting more group games. And fifth and sixth grade, they want more challenge. And it's, it's the right amount of challenge so that it's not... It's, so they'll be challenged to grow and stretch themselves, but not too much challenge that's stressful. And that's going to be very different for which group of kids, and that's where Rhett's experience with play works mm-hmm. and my experience with I've learned comes in, and that's part of what the book will address. But essentially, it's really understanding that primary drive of wanting to engage, and, and then kids do it primarily through play. Um, and there's a researcher now, Jacques Panksepp, um, and he he actually believes that when kids take medications for traditional intensity ADD, ADHD, it actually starts, and he's done research on this, that it actually shuts down the play drive. Mm. And yes, kids get more focused and pay attention, mm. but you're basically shutting down the primary mode within which they're wanting to learn. So I actually, and I say that, and I'm not a big scientist on that level, but I say that to mainly share with people is that if kids have these issues of tension, they probably need more play, mm-hmm. not like more, we have to pay attention, we've got to get them disciplined skills. Yes, those important skills of attention and focus, and that can come with a nurture heart approach, of course, but I don't think they need medication as much as they need play. Mm. So they'd probably these kids need more play, not less, who have, you know, the Well, and especially if it's, like Rhett said, um, leading uh, purposefully to positive relationship experiences. Mm-hmm. I've been reading mm-hmm. a book by one of our new trainers in Australia, um, Lillian Reich- Reiki, and about her mm-hmm. about um, her um, sharing her family situation, and um, and uh, it, it's so distressing to read how. Um, how a kid's intensity can damage relationships and and damage w- one's own picture of how they can have relationship and then even when they land in a perfect idyllic school uh that supports them at the core it, you know it becomes a challenge to to help them get out of their poor self image of the only way mm-hmm. i could have relationship is through negativity uh, mm-hmm. so, so it's it's such a ripe uh, 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 laboratory to you know to uh, experiential to experience to experientially lead kids into seeing the beauty of relationship mm-hmm. and along with enjoyment and that enjoyment. So I can imagine what that man is saying is so true that medications close down some of those channels and mm-hmm. play. In the po- in this new positive way can in, can kind of uh, provide a, a, a beautiful platform for not needing medication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Catherine, what do you have any? Uh, what? Well, I was just. I, oh, go ahead, Rhett. Well, I just and that sort of you know talking about this need of kids to play more. Another mm-hmm. sort of cutting edge thing, like you were mentioning early, how he was you know, talking about the climate of high-stakes testing now in schools. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, teachers know how, you know, all the importance that are placed on tests. And, you know, here in Arizona, we just had our Ames Week where we take our state tests, and it's, 
you know, almost a whole week kids are testing and the tests are so long and really challenging, especially for English language learners, which I work with a lot. Um, and so these kids, you know, they need, they're, they're in their desks so much just writing, 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 and they need time to get out and exercise. You know, just like us adults, when we're doing our work, we take breaks and we stretch and we might go outside or go to the kitchen. We need time to sort of let loose. And so... Right. I'm so grateful for PlayWorks because during that week I was able to take whole grade levels out and rotate them through different games. And I was able to come to classrooms and do little brain breaks. Um, So, you know, not only kids are needing play to build relationships, they need play to take a break from all that really intense Mm -hmm. learning. Mm. Mm. What kind of feedback are you getting from the teachers and the admin when you've been out at schools without PlayWorks, play-based focus, to now being in a play-based focus, bringing that into schools? What kind of feedback are you getting in terms of how that's impacting and transforming schools and cultures of playgrounds and that kind of thing? Yeah, no, my my teacher, I think my teachers were very, they were interested, they were curious, but they were very suspicious before mm-hmm. PlayWorks came in. Mm-hmm. Um, but once once they've come out on the playground, once they've experienced play and they've experienced Coach Rhett, um, they love it, and they, they're, mm-hmm. they're all in. Um, mm-hmm. The teachers know that the kids need that time to play, and, and, I, and I hope, Howie, Howard, that you talk about this some too, but, you know, adults benefit from play. You know, these oh, teachers are, you know, they're, they work such long hours and they care so much, and they need a time to let loose and connect with their bodies and play too. So the teachers love it. They, uh, they're totally all in. Oh, I was just going to say, we're, we're truly, believe it or not, down to seven minutes already. So let's go ahead and transition over to some of your work with adults, Howard, and how that really, how you've seen that impact and change people's lives. Well, you know, my work primarily for many years, I mean, a good portion of my work has been facilitating play shops with um, adults, you know, particularly at Omega Institute. And I see just an amazing transformation in an hour of people feeling a little bit reserved, not knowing what that what situation they're in, and then feeling totally connected. The people that I play with at Omega, they come for a week. Those are the people they hang out with throughout the week of the people they played with in the play shop. And I think it nurtures, and again, when I went into Howie, more and more I've been coming to play as a place um, about their exercises for the heart. One play teacher I know talks about it, and that's what it is. It nurtures your heart. Um, because you remember what it was like to play as a kid and just that little bit of play, it's like, oh, yeah, that little child in me really wants to come out and play and feel safe. And that's, mm-hmm. again, I constantly use the word safe because I use a combination of new games and cooperative play. And I, I was an athletic coach. I know the, the beauty that can happen in really good you know, situations where you're coaching kids to really strive for excellence. But I think the core of it in schools and for adults should be to really nurture the, the whole being of the child. So that's the beauty of what I think the Nurture Heart has to offer is reminding people that we are have a heart intelligence that we can connect with and tap into, and it's very real. Mm. Mm. <laughs> How do people come to you? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know anything about your Omega Institute. What What is that about? It's, a re- it's the largest retreat center, holistic uh, alternative education retreat center in, in mm-hmm. the world, actually, it's on the East Coast. So There's probably more known out here. Um, but all the really the teachers, the leading teachers in mindfulness and yoga and mm-hmm. um, mediation and sustainability and 
um, you know, 23,000 guests there come throughout the year. And then on a Sunday night, some of them choose to come play before they head off to their class the next day. So you know, I'll play with groups of 20, 30, 40, 50 adults and get them playing and laughing and connecting. And, and I do a little piece. I'll do a piece in the middle where I'll have them do a couple of exercises and then with a partner, and then I'll have them reflect to them what they saw in that person's greatness just playing for five minutes. And it's mm-hmm. amazing what comes out. Just in that five minutes of two games they played, they can see how that person was, you know, curious and creative and playful and present and focused and, you know, supportive. And, and then I ask people, how does that feel when that person sees you? And everyone, oh, it just feels so good to be seen mm. um, by others. And, and it can happen so quickly in, in sort of in, in interactive exercises such that I do. So mm. um, I think it's just as powerful for adults, and we need to connect mm. with our heart. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why so many it. people go to places like this is to be seen and to mm-hmm. feel connected and get reconnected and enjoy themselves. I could absolutely see the two of you working together and working mm-hmm. with groups of adults and and showing businesses that they yeah. can take you know ten minutes here and there and kind of yeah. uh, create little play collaboratives. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm so excited by what you all are saying. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I've got a, a feeling it's much... time for Catherine to wrap up. Am I? Oh. We're, we're down to about four minutes. So, you know, oh, if you good. have last, last kind of wisdom well, bits you want to share, feel free. One, one thing I can say really quickly is, I, you know, I know, for example, I believe this is correct, Brett, that, for example, Playworks, I think, actually allows you to download their play manual. So mm. it's, the activities are out there for people to play, you know, experiment with and try, but it really comes from the sort of the, the energy that you're holding it with about helping kids feel connected and um, safe and heard. And so it's more about us coming from our hearts as we teach that. So I just, it'll be, and then we'll have the book out and you can also look at some of our activities, but more will be the perspectives we offer, I think, will be very helpful. Mm. Mm, I can't wait to see where this, this goes. <laughs> Rhett? Um, you? you know, I've been really thinking lately about sometimes how scary it can be to try to connect with the people and the kids in our lives. Um, I think that's one thing that sometimes we, we, we don't talk about that much is when you're using this approach and when you're trying to connect with people, you have to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and you have to be open-hearted. And mm-hmm. if anyone's worked with a room full of eighth graders, it can be very scary. <laughs> Um, and you know, and I, and I, so I want to just send good energy to all of us out there who are taking that courageous step to put ourselves out there, even risking rejection, even if it's a kid rejecting us, it can still affect us. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, like, I want to energize myself for just being so courageous and constantly resetting myself back to intention and, going up to a big old scary eighth grader who just whipped my butt in a basketball game and being so vulnerable and telling him, I love playing with you because when I got hurt earlier, you came up to me and said, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of eighth graders that would stop their game and come up to an adult and say, hey, are you okay? So I love playing with you. And that takes a lot of courage to do that. So I'm sending energy to everyone who is courageously connecting with kids every day. You are one of the most courageous people I know. Mm-hmm. I've seen you, and I know you are usually courageous in in um, to, um, being conscious, mindfully conscious of of uh, acknowledging your own greatness, and I love that about you. 
Thank you. Well, I, thank you. I do want to thank you both. Thank you both for coming today, and thank you for your commitment to play. Thank you for your commitment to bring this to everybody and everybody out there who needs to tap into that inner child and to feel safe on the playground wherever that may be. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. I do need to say our next broadcast will be May 16th. Our next topic is going to be the heart of the child, and our special guests are going to be Karen Clayton, who is currently working as a learning support coordinator in the middle school level, creating and implementing programs that focus on student success, as well as Stephanie Rule, who is a former school counselor who chose to be a stay-home mom and who is teaching Nurture Heart Approach classes to parents and educators and mental health professionals, helping just to nurture the healthiest relationship possible with kids. Um, I also want to remind listeners, if they haven't signed up for podcast reminders, go to childrensuccessfoundation.com and register. And be sure to check the Children's Success Foundation website for the latest news, upcoming classes that are online, workshops, summer trainings that are coming up. Um, those are all on the online as well. Thank you both so much for your time. Thank you for your You're commitment welcome. to play. I'm excited to see this book and to see just how I know the two of you are meant to, to come together, and I'm curious and excited to see where that's going to go as well. Thanks, friends. Thank Yay. You so much. Yay. I love this podcast. I love this topic, and I love <laughs> what you two bring to this equation. Thank you so much. Have and this only favorite. scratched the surface. This is just the tip of the iceberg of all that you guys are doing. There's so much more, and I, I hope that you continue to share your wisdom and, and share your methodologies and your, your play games out there with everybody who, mm-hmm. who can learn from you. Right on. <laughs> Bye. Enjoy your days. Enjoy this spring day. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the Nurtured Heart Approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult.